This morning, I want to talk about Jesus. It's been the focus of our worship, and he is our Lord and our King, and I really want to ask the question, who is Jesus really? And specifically, can you really trust him with your life? I mean, can you really trust him with your life, your real life, your day-to-day life? Can you really trust him? And I want to look at something really important scripture has to say about him. Um, And to me, this is important. About a month ago, I talked about false teachers, cults, and unhealthy churches, and I think it's important to understand what they are and how they operate so that we can um, stay away from that. I didn't say it that morning, but when I was a baby Christian, a man came to our church who did what he called a cult inoculation, and we did a whole learning about cults, and the thing that he shared that really grabbed me is he said that most people who come into a cult group are not people who don't know God, but they're actually people who are in healthy evangelical Christians are most of the converts into cults. And that's why he came and did the whole inoculation. So that, that whole topic to me was important. But the thing that cults and unhealthy groups always get wrong is Jesus. And so we've got to make sure that we get Jesus right. So I really want to focus on him this morning. And we're going to be kind of looking at a number of scripture that are all going to be on the screen because I'm going to bounce around um, a little bit the Old and into the New Testament. But before I do, I really want to lay the groundwork for where I'm going today. And to do that, I just need to tell you that in the Old Testament scheme of leadership, there were three roles or offices of men who God used in um, how he, he led the nation of Israel. And specifically, those three groups were he used prophets, he used the priests, and he used the kings. And those were the three men that God used over Israel. Um, these, this is such a, these roles are so significant that you can find them a lot of time in churches in their um, stained glass art. I've got a couple of examples of that, um, of churches that have this with these three roles. And in a minute, I'm going to get to why these three roles are actually so important. So let me talk briefly about these three roles in the Old Testament, and then I'm gonna, we're going to apply it to Jesus. So first, there were the prophets. Um, I'll come to them in just a second. They were the individuals chosen by God to make himself known to the people so they would know his character, they would know his desires, his way, his will, and his purposes. And it was the prophets who actually taught and proclaimed God to the people, and they were the people, they were the ones that God chose to mediate his truth to the people. So they mediated the truth of God to the people. And then there were the priests. These were the individuals who acted as intercessors, as kind of mediators between God and humanity. They were the ones who represented God to the people and the people to God. And it was the priests who offered sacrifices to God for the people. And not just doing the sacrifices, in a lot of ways, they were also mediating, as it says up there. They mediated God's love and care for the people. And in some sense, they kind of represented, embodied the presence of God with his people. So the priests were extremely important. And then you had the kings, the third group, the kings who ruled over the people, who were to rule with justice um, and carry out, to carry out God's justice in a benevolent kind of way. And the kings were the people who ruled as God's vice regents, so they were ruling under him, but they were ruling over the people. And as such, they were mediating the rule of God over the people. So these were the three important roles in Israel. You had the prophets who mediated God's truth, the priests who mediated God's love and care, and you had the kings who mediated God's rule. But those three guys, those three roles in the Old Testament were never meant to be an end in themselves. They were actually signposts that were pointing 
to the Messiah who would be the ultimate and the final prophet, the ultimate and the final priest, and the ultimate and the final king. And they were actually pointing to him. And so in the Old Testament prophecies, it was actually prophesied that he would fulfill all three of these roles in one person. Um, as prophet, it's found in Deuteronomy chapter 18, verse 15, where Moses said this, the Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among your own brothers, and you must listen to him. We're going to come back one, to that one in a minute when we get to the Gospels. It was also prophesied that the Messiah would fun- have the priestly function. Um, in Isaiah, the most famous chapter about him, chapter 53, which actually starts at the end of 52, it's, it's a significant section that talks about his priestly role. That Isaiah 52 ends this way, my servant will sprinkle many nations. Sprinkling was something the priest did um, in relation to sacrifices and forgiveness of sins. And then in 53, that he was pierced for our transgressions, he was crushed for our iniquities, that the punishment that brought us peace was upon him, and by his wounds we are healed. That by knowledge of him, my righteous servant will justify many, and he will bear their iniquities. For he poured out his life unto death, and he bore the sin of many, and made intercession for the transgressors. So the coming Messiah would play this priestly um, function. But he also would be king. And again, we see this in Isaiah. Uh, we, this text is so common at Christmas, and we even read this on Christmas Eve where Isaiah says this of the Messiah, to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And he continues, of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice, righteousness from that time on and forever. So in the Old Testament, you have these three offices, these three roles of prophet, priest, and king who God used in working with his people. And we're told the Messiah would, would bring all three of those roles into one person. And when you get to the gospels, you actually see that Jesus does fulfill those, that he is the prophet, he is the priest, and he is the high king. Or if I were to put three other words with it, that he came as revealer, as reconciler, and as ruler. Revealer, reconciler, and ruler. So first, his work as prophet and revealer. Throughout the Gospels, he presented himself as the messianic prophet that Moses prophesied about. And not only him, the people were recognizing that. In John, after he fed the 5,000, it says this, after the people saw the sign that Jesus performed, that feeding, that miracle, they began, they began to say, surely this is the prophet who is to come into the world. And then in the next chapter, it says, on hearing his words, some of the people said, surely this man is the prophet. So by the signs and miracles he did and the words he said, they said, this is that prophet that Moses talked about in Deuteronomy 18, 15, the one that we're to listen to. And it's really interesting that in the early church, this idea of the prophet, him being the messianic prophet, was important in their proclamation among the Jews in Acts 3.22 and 7.37, I won't go there, but in both of those scripture, as they're preaching Jesus as Messiah to the Jews, they say that he was the prophet who was prophesied to come. And as the prophet, he's not only mediating God's truth, he came mediating God himself, that he was being the creator, he was the embodiment of the Father. And so anytime you saw him, you saw the Father, and anytime you heard him, you were hearing directly from the Father. That's why John in his gospel says this in 118, no one has ever seen God, but God, the one and only, who is Jesus, who is at the Father's side, has made him known. 
And then John himself, anybody who has seen me has seen the Father. And later he says, if you've heard me, you've heard the Father. So as a prophet, Jesus preaches and teaches. He corrects error. He protects from wrong living. He imparts wisdom. He and everything he does is revealing to us the Father and what he's like. And so I need you guys to help me and interact with me a little bit this morning. I'm going to ask three different times. And so here's what I want to know. Where do you see Jesus? How or where do you see him acting as prophet in the Gospels? As you read the Gospels, where are some places you see him acting as the prophet? Sermon on the Mount. Yeah, classic, right? Probably his most famous teaching. In that teaching on the mountain, he is presenting himself as the prophet, declaring the truth of God. Where else? Last Supper, in what way, Adam? Yeah, so he's actually talking about the future and that he's going to be doing this. So that's what some prophets did, is they would actually talk about not just the reality, but what was coming. Yep, so acting as prophet there. Any others you can think of? I mean, anytime he taught, he was functioning as the prophet, right? Somebody in first service said, Um, when he predicted on three occasions, I will go to Jerusalem, I will die, I will be buried, but I will rise from the dead, that he was functioning as prophet in that. So, second, he not only works as, his work as a prophet, but his work as priest and reconciler. And we know he came to give himself as the sacrifice for our sin. Okay, the high priest made a sacrifice of a lamb, but he came to offer himself as a sacrifice. That's why Hebrews 7.27 says, unlike the other high priest, he sacrificed for their sins once for all when he offered himself. And then in Hebrews 2.17, he had to be made like us, fully human in every way, in order that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in service to God, that he might make atonement for the sins of the people. And I really love that verse because it talks about him being a merciful high priest, and that's part of what priests did, is they not only did the sacrifices for sin, but they also, if you remember, they mediated God's love and care, his mercy, and that's what priests did. And John 10 tells us that Jesus, he, tells, he says, I am the good shepherd. And he says, as a good shepherd, I'm going to lay down my life for the sheep. I will be that priestly sacrifice for you. But he also talks about that, that as the good shepherd, that I know my sheep intimately, and they know me, and he talks about the relationality, his love and care. One way that we see him acting as priest, besides just offering himself in the Gospels, is that he actually interceded for his followers. Um, when I realized that he was, for a long time I didn't connect this, but in Luke 22, 31 and 32, he says to Simon, 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 Satan's asked to sift all of you as wheat, but I want you to know, I prayed for you, Simon, that your faith may not fail. Isn't that amazing? He had been interceding and praying regularly for Simon because he knew what was coming for him. That's part of his priestly role. In John 17, 9, when he gets to the Last Supper and he's praying to the Father, he says specifically, Lord, I prayed for them, for all of the followers that you gave me. I prayed for them. And what's really cool is a few verses later, he says, I'm going to pray for the followers to come, which would include us. It's in chapter 17, verse 20, where he says, my prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message. So as priest, Jesus offers himself as the once and for all time sacrifice for my sin. But he also comes as the one who is mediating the love and the care of God in everything that he does, right? Offering compassion, mercy, um, love and care, being gracious to us, patient with us, merciful to us, healing people, um, having compassion and suffering, compassion on people and their suffering, walking alongside of them in their struggle and suffering, interceding. So I'm just curious, 
where or how do you see Jesus functioning as priest in the Gospels? What are some things he does that you're like, that is a very priestly thing he's doing? What are some things you think of? Yeah, when he takes a lame man and tells him to stand up and walk. He's, he's embodying God's love and care for him. I mean, isn't any healing him acting as priest, exhibiting and embodying, mediating the love and care of the Father? Good job, Cole. Let me go on. Finally, his work as priest and reconciler. I mean, as, sorry, as king and ruler, because he came as the true king. He came bringing his kingdom with him, inaugurating and launching his kingdom. People acknowledged him as king. In John chapter 1, verse 49, when Nathanael met him, Nathanael said this, Rabbi, you are the son of God. You are the, what's the next word? You are the king of Israel. And then in Luke 19, 37 and 38, when he enters Jerusalem at the triumphal entry, um, it says that when he came into Jerusalem, the whole crowd praised God in loud voices. Blessed is the, I need to hear a little louder this time. Blessed is the what? Is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. So people acknowledged him as the king. And he claimed that kingship for himself. In Matthew 28, 18, he says that all authority on heaven and earth has been given unto me. All authority. And then in Matthew 19, 28, that's the text Jordan and I talked about last week, about new creation, the great palingenesia, if you were here last week, where he says, truly I tell you at the renewal of all things, when the Son of Man, when I sit on my glorious throne. So he was the claimant to the, the throne of the universe. And so as king, he leads over us, he rules us, he commands us. But just as he did in the Old Testament as a vice regent, because we all have areas of influence, he makes me a vice regent and he wants me, he wants to lead through me and, to, and his kingly rule through me and for me to, to use my influence in a proper way that I steward my time, my talent, my energy in the places God has put me as a vice regent under his kingship. So let me ask, uh, where do you see him functioning as king in the Gospels? What are some things you see him doing that are very kingly? Yeah, anytime he gives a command, he's functioning as a king. When he commands demons to leave people, is he not showing that he has lordship, that he's the king of all of that? When he commands the water to be still, when he commands and bread has multiplied, all of that is showing his kingship. And here's what I want you to realize, that he continues in each of those roles, in each of those offices, in each of those ministries. He continues to be prophet, to be revealer. He continues to be priest, the reconciler, and he continues to be our king and the ruler. Um, and this is really significant because so he's continuing in all of those roles. As prophet, through the agency of the Holy Spirit, he continues to teach his church. Here's what John 16, 13, and 15 says, that Jesus said, when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. He'll not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears. He will take from what is mine, and he will make it known to you. So Jesus teaches his body, his church, through the spirit, through his word, through gifted teachers. And in the future kingdom, we're told that he will finally function as the final prophet. In 1 Corinthians 13, 12, he says, at that time when he returns, I will know as I am known. That finally, the full revelation of who he is will happen. And second, he's ongoing in his work as priest and reconciler. That he 
sits at the right hand of the Father and continues in that priestly role of, that, of embodying that love and that care as our good shepherd. Um, and as our sacrifice for our sin, Ephesians 2.18, it says, through him we have access to the Father by one spirit. Um, but not only that, I just love Romans 3, I mean 8, 34, where it says this, that Christ Jesus who died, more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God, and what's he doing for us? Interceding, the thing he did for Simon, for his followers then. That, do you realize that he is your priest, prays daily for you? He knows your greatest need. He knows your deepest struggle. He knows what's going on in your life, and he prays for you more than anybody. There's that priestly role he's interceding. And then when the future kingdom comes and new creation, we're told that he'll complete his reconciling priestly work in Colossians 1.20 where it says he will reconcile to himself all things at that time things on earth and things in heaven. And finally, he continues in his kingly role. He is the head of this body. He's the head of the church, but of this body. He holds everything together, we're told. He is the sovereign ruler of the universe. We just read in Revelation 19, 16, this powerful scripture that I'm gonna ask you to help me with in a second. So get ready. On his robe and on his thigh, he has his name written. And it is what? King of kings and Lord of lords. Is that not powerful? He continues in that rule as the king of the universe. Uh, sorry, I've got to do this. Anytime I read that scripture, I can't help but to think of this. One of, one of my daughters one time bought me a mug and gave it to me for Father's Day. And it says this on it, dad of dads, because king of kings and lord of lords was already taken. <laughs> Isn't that good? I really love that. And I love Philippians 2 where it says this of his kingship, that God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that in the name of Jesus, every knee will bow. Every knee will bow. In heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father, that he's king. In the future, he will come as king and he will finally and fully establish his righteous kingdom on the earth. And when he creates that new creation and his throne comes down to here in his heavenly city and he is sitting on that throne on earth, it says in 1 Corinthians 15, 27, at that time, he will put all things under his feet, all things under his feet. And so our cry always when we think of that future kingdom is even so, come Lord Jesus. Amen to that. So if I were to reverse the order of this, so I mean, he, he is our prophet, priest, and king. Let me, I should back that up, because a good teacher asks for students to remember things, right? What, <laughs> I just showed you. What are those three roles? In the Old Testament that Jesus played in his ministry that he continues. He is our prophet, our, and our king. Now, I didn't say the Arwens much. Do you remember those? As prophet, he is our, he's the revealer. As our priest, he's the reconciler. And as the king, he is... He's the ruler. So he continues in all of those areas. If I were to put this into more modern words, I might say this, that Jesus is my teacher, he is my savior, and he's my Lord. My teacher, my savior, and my Lord. And I think, this, by the way, comes out of the Reformation, this emphasis on these three offices, and that Christ lived those three offices with the embodiment of them in the Gospels, and that he continues in that and will forever continue in that. But I think Jesus would say to those reformers, I'd like to add one more thing to that list, one more thing that you left off. And it's found in John 15, 14 and 15. I love this passage. Jesus said, you are my, can you say that word with me? 
You're my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I've called you, what? Friends, for everything I learned from my father, I've made known to you. And so this, to this amazing repertoire of Jesus being the prophet, he is my priest and he is the king, he also says, I want you to know I am also your friend. How powerful is that? I am your friend. So Jesus is my priest to save me. He's my shepherd to love and to care for me, to help me in my time of need. He's my teacher to speak to me, to instruct me, to model his way for me. He's my king, right? He's my king. He's Lord of my life to lead me and to guide me. And to all of that, he's my friend, my companion to support me and to walk alongside of me. I mean, imagine, think of how powerful that is, the truth of those four things. Put in the words of Richard Foster, hence, Jesus is ever living as my Savior, my teacher, my Lord, and my friend, ever living in all of those roles. And I want to be clear about something. He functions on all of those roles equally and all at the same time. I mean, Jesus is so unlike us. We so lack integrity, don't we? I might act one way around one person and a different way around a different person. Jesus acts fully in who he is in all four of these areas at all times and in all places. He cannot be anything other than who he is, and everything he does flows from all four of these roles. So we tend to divide things in categories, but anytime he's acting as prophet, as teacher, in, even in that act, he is still being the great king, and he is still being the caring priest, and he is still being, I've kind of lost the other one, the prophet, the king, the king. I'm going to get these all mixed up. It's, it's aging, and he's being our friend in all of these, right? And when he's functioning in that priestly role, caring for us, he's also being the great king at the same time, and he's being that loyal companion at the same time, and he's also being the prophet who speaks truth to me at that time. And when he's functioning in that kingly role, he is being the priest in that, the caring priest in his kingly role, and he is being that loyal companion in the, in the kingly role, and he is speaking truth as the teacher and prophet in that, in that role. Uh, and if, if I got them all confused, that's okay. What I want you to know is he in his nature must be all of these things all the time in your life, in all things in your life. So as I was thinking about this this week, I kind of had a question like, then what's this say about us? If he, is, if he ever lives as my savior, my teacher, my Lord, and my friend, then what's that say about me? And it says a lot about us. That we are, or we are to be, um, his attentive sheep, his devoted students, his obedient subjects. That's what that calls for me. That's what it calls for me. And I was trying to think, what's an S word I can use for friends? So I got on a thesaurus, right? And was having a hard time because the words all got to match, right? And I found the word sidekick. But I didn't really like to feel a sidekick because like Robin is the sidekick of Batman and Watson of Sherlock and Bucky of Captain America. Like I didn't think that quite fit. Um, so I found a really interesting word. doesn't start with S, but I really liked it as I looked into it. That I am his, his mate, it was a kind of cool, you know, we know they say that in what country? Yeah, in Australia they say that. And I was really curious, like, what does that mean to an Australian? And I looked it up in a dictionary, and, it's, and they were really clear to say this, that, that in Australia, mate means more than just a friend. 
that it implies a sense of shared experience, mutual respect, unconditional, unconditional assistance, willingness to sacrifice. I just love that. So as he is my friend, I'm to be his mate. I'm to be willing to give all for him, to be all in for him because he's all in for me. So I want to get to application because this all has really huge implications for our lives. Um, if you haven't already seen it, then I want to help make it clear, but I think it's, it kind of falls into place. Number one, I want to say this, that in the fall, I'm going to do a series on work. And I want to, I want to get really practical with that. Some things about how can we make an, an impact for God in our work. And not just the normal stuff of, well, just be honest and a good person and then tell people about Jesus. There's a lot more that I think we can take from the Bible that applies to work. And one of them actually comes out of this whole teaching, but I'm not going to go there yet. But I'm going to get there next fall. But I do want to challenge you with an application. I really challenge you to share this with somebody this week. Because a lot of believers don't know about these roles and these offices that were in the Old Testament, that were prophesied of Messiah, that Jesus was the ultimate final of these, that he is the prophet, the priest, the king, and he's my friend. And so as you're dealing with somebody in their life, and maybe they're having a struggle with something, to share that with them. And in a minute, well, I'm going to apply this to you. I'm going to try to model maybe what you could do for a person. But share this with somebody. Pass this on. And I really want to challenge you to use this in your prayer life. And in a minute, I'm going to show you, again, how to do that. So to get to those two things, I want to ask two questions. Two questions that I want to end with. Here's the first one. How do I most need to acknowledge and relate to him today? Okay, he functions in all four roles, so I'm not trying to divide him up. But for us, categories are important. And here's what I want to know for you. I've thought a lot about this for myself this week, for you. How do you most need to acknowledge him and relate to him this week? Are you needing to acknowledge and relate to him as your prophet, as the one who teaches you? Is that what you're needing to do? Are you needing to say, I need to actually listen and learn from him? I need to sit at his feet like Mary. I need to be in his word on a daily basis so he can speak truth into my life. So are you his devoted student is my question. Or do you live life rarely looking into his word and so you just live life on your own wisdom and your own knowledge and the things that you hear in culture to help you figure things out and walk life? So are you needing to acknowledge and relate to him as prophet? Or maybe there are people this week who need to, who need to acknowledge and relate to him as priest. So I want to know, do you exercise your free access to the Father through him? Do you go daily before the throne? Do you talk to him in prayer? Do you run to him for forgiveness because he offers it freely there? That daily confession, keeping your life, the, your heart clean by going to him. But also, do you need healing, provision? Do you need help? Is there something you need in your life that you need help? So I want to know, do you sit under him as your shepherd, giving you loving care in your time of need? And maybe some of us need to acknowledge and start relating to him more as my king. So I want to know, do you worship him? Do you obey him? Because that's what a king deserves, right? From his obedient subjects. Are you his obedient subject? Or do you live life, you're on your own right now. You're really directing your own life. You're making your own decisions. You're doing the things you want to do and you're actually ignoring him as king of your life. And then finally, maybe you would say, I need to acknowledge and relate to him more as a friend, as a companion, somebody that I honor above all. I want to know, are you his faithful mate? 
How's your love relationship with him? How, is, how, how are you doing with that first love? So how do I most need to acknowledge and relate to him today? And here's what I'd like to do. I'd like you to just, if you don't mind, I want to get in a prayerful attitude. I want you to bow your head. I want you to close your eyes. And I want you to have a small conversation with God and ask that question. How do I most need to acknowledge and relate to you? What's the area that I'm not allowing you to be who you are to be in my life? I want you to take a minute to think about that and to pray and to, to offer that to him, to say, I want to relate to you better in this way and to ask for his help. Amen. And I want to challenge you, don't just sit here and leave this here this week. But this week, I really challenge you to be prayerful in whatever the way is you most are needing to acknowledge and relate to him properly, that that would be a daily prayer and a concern. Lord Jesus, you're not function- I'm not allowing you to function as Lord of my life, whatever it is. I need to be more obedient. I'm struggling with this area of sin or this thing that I don't want to let go of. I need your help. I need your spirit to empower me, to convict me, to give me the ability, the heart to follow you. So I encourage you to make that a a prayer thing this week. And my second question is this, how do I most need him in my life today? Not how do I need, the first one is like me just relating to him properly as he deserves to be related to. This one is, what is a need in my life today and where do I most need him? Again, he functions in all those roles all at the same time, but what's the biggest need of your life? Maybe this morning you're like, I've got a situation and I can't figure it out and I so desperately need wisdom. And it's like, Lord Jesus, you are the prophet. You're my teacher. I need you to speak into my life because I don't know what to do. Speak through your word as I read it. Speak through other people, but I'm needing an answer to a question. Or maybe the thing you're most needing is you're just needing him as your priest right now. You've got a difficulty, there's pain in your life, there's something going on that you're deeply struggling with, you're really not sure if anybody cares, you don't even want to share it with anybody, I want to challenge you to take it to him as your priest, the one who cares about you and who offers mercy and help in your time of need, we're told, because he continues as my priest, to go to him and say, Lord Jesus, I so desperately need your help in this situation, I just don't know what to do. Or maybe what you need him this week is just your king. Lord Jesus, I've given you a lot of my life, but there's this little thing of my life that I've still held on to and I'm keeping in my, on my own and I've not wanted to give it up to you. And I know it. And maybe it's time for me to start to release that. Or maybe you're just living a very disobedient life, not at all following him. And just the thing he's calling you to is surrender and submission and reconsecration of your life to him as your king and as your Lord. So if that's what you most need to do, my challenge is you would go to him as your king. And then the last one is the friend. It might be you would say, you know, when I, 
uh, read Revelation. I don't remember chapter 2. Is it chapter 2, verse 4? I'm not, I don't really remember. But when I read Revelation and he said, I've got a lot of stuff for you, but I've got this against you. You've lost your first love. And maybe some of us, we would just say, Lord Jesus, I'm not a good mate. Like, my, that love, that first love is gone. It's dissipated. And I need to return to that, which is your command. So whatever you most need, my challenge is that you would go to him. And so here's kind of my, my last application is, is I really challenge you, make this part of your prayer life. That's kind of what I'm asking you to do right now. Make this part of your prayer life. If you find yourself in a hard situation and you just need help that you would call out and you'd say, Lord, you, Lord Jesus, you live forever as my priest and I need your help so badly. Or I'm in this place and I have no idea what to do. I need wisdom that you would cry to him as your prophet and just acknowledge, Lord, you're my prophet and I come to you. So use those things in your prayer life. I trust me, that will enrich your prayer life if you will do that. So I want to take a minute and I'd like everybody to bow their head again and I would like you to prayerfully think for a minute and maybe you already know this or ask him, but what is the greatest need of your life right now? What's the thing you're most struggling with or the thing you most need to see change or help or whatever and that you would... Cry out to him in that role and ask him to meet you in that place in that way. So take a minute, bow your head, and I want you to pray to him for your greatest need. Amen. So I started at the beginning asking the question, can you trust Jesus with your life? I mean, your real life. And the answer of scripture is this. You can because he ever lives, ever lives as your prophet, your priest, your king, and your friend. He is ever living as my savior, teacher, Lord, friend. I can trust him with everything. So in all of this, I think Jesus plead us would be found in Matthew eleven twenty eight thirty, 30, where he says this, and you can hear his kingship in here. You can hear his priestly role in here. You can hear his, his friendship. You can hear his uh, prophetic role in all of this, where he says in Matthew eleven twenty eight to 30, come to me, all of you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you as your king. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me as your prophet. Learn from me because I am a priest. I am gentle and humble in heart and you will find rest for your souls because my yoke is easy and my burden is light because I'm your friend. So come to me. So I'd like, would you stand? I thought it fitting that we end with a song, a closing song. And I need your priestly grace in this as I start it and then I mute myself so the people online don't have to listen to me, but this just seemed an appropriate way for us to, to finish up. It's the song, Lord, I Need You. So, Lord, I come, I confess.
how I need you. Lord, I so profoundly feel that. I don't always live it out, but I so profoundly feel it. And I thank you that you came and you live in all of these roles in my life, that you are my teacher. You're my savior and my shepherd. You're my king, my Lord, and you're my friend. So help me to live well into all these roles, to live well to you and how you deserve to be related to and that I would always be willing to run to you with the needs of my life in whatever role you function. So we pray all this, Lord Jesus, because of you and for you. Amen. So 12, this lost world needs to see people who live fully committed lives to Jesus. So you are sent to live with him as your Lord, your Savior, your teacher, your King, your friend. All right, you're sent 12.